Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to our Easter Sunday podcast. For the last 11 years, we've been gathering here at sunrise to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We've had baptisms right here in the surf at Shell Harbour, North Beach. Uh, but of course, today we can't meet publicly. Uh, so those uh, young people who are going to be baptised this year, it'll still happen. Uh, we'll celebrate with you. Uh, it'll just have to be, be a bit later in the year, and we look forward to it when it does happen. But today, let's remember that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hi friends, my name's Pete Stacey and on behalf of the staff team, I want to give you a warm welcome to our Easter Sunday morning podcast. And if you're joining us online for the very first time, a special welcome to you. As we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, listen to these words from 1 Peter chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. Friends, that's worth singing about. Let's join our voices in praise to our great God and Saviour. Your love made a way to let mercy come in. 
have the first half of our Bible reading. You'll find it in Luke chapter 24. Can I encourage you to go and grab the Bible that you normally use or you can look it up online. Go to Bible Gateway and just type in Luke chapter 24. Following that, we're going to spend some time in prayer. Then one of our families is going to share together what Easter means to them. 
Uh, then we'll have the second part of our Bible reading, and John's going to share with us. Good morning. My name's Rob Goodahan. Good to be with you. I'll be reading Luke 24:13 to 35 as our first reading. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about 11 kilometres from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb, found it was just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up, returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Hello, my name is Mike Ureet and I attend the 1045 AM service. We are going to spend some time in prayer, in praise, confession, thanksgiving and bringing our requests to God. We will conclude with the Lord's Prayer, so would you now please pray with me. Lord, as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, how wonderful, how marvellous is your love for each one of us. May we realise afresh today what your death and resurrection mean for us. Forgiveness, freedom, and the ability to walk with you through this fallen world into eternity. May we rejoice and rejoice continually in your glorious and triumphant victory over death. For your victory is our victory. Help us to live by it, in it, and for it. Amen. Lord, death could not hold you, and because of your resurrection, we too can live. You have removed the sting of death, and we can say with the Apostle Paul, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? And we will live in your presence forever. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we confess we have gone our own way, not loving you as we ought, 
nor loving our neighbours as ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word and deed, and what we have failed to do. We deserve your condemnation. Father, forgive us. Help us to love you and our neighbours and to live for your honour and glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, continue your work in us by your Spirit to make us one in heart, mind and intention under Christ. Empower us to be prayerful in all we undertake, submitting ourselves entirely to you. Give us thankful, generous hearts that we would be committed to one another's progress and joy in the faith as we love Jesus, grow together, speak the good news and support others. Amen. Lord God, we thank you that you are constant when so many things are changing, that your love never falters, that you are present by your spirit and that we are safe in your care. Please help us to be faithful during these troubled times, to bring comfort and blessing to others. Be our guide, satisfy and strengthen us and may we find our joy in you. We pray for those around the world struggling with COVID-19. Protect and heal those who are sick and suffering. Comfort those who have lost loved ones from this terrible disease. We pray for wisdom for our scientists as they seek a way to understand and combat this virus. Strengthen and guide our health professionals who are at the front line. Give wisdom to governments and leaders who bear responsibility for conf confronting this challenge as they seek to stem the spread across the globe. We ask these things through the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus, thank you that through your death on Good Friday and resurrection this day, we have forgiveness of sins and certainty of eternal life. Thanks be to God for your indescribable gift of your one and only Son for us. To you be the glory and honour on this resurrection day. Father, until the appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ, which you will bring about in your own time, we will continually and faithfully with confidence pray our family prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Hi, I'm Bill. If you haven't met me yet, we're newish at church. We're loving the Bible-based, Jesus-focused talks you do every week. We're loving getting together over Zoom for Bible study where we can nut it out together. This is my family. Hi, I'm Tanya. I'm so very thankful to Shell Harbour for being friendly. It reminds me that we're part of God's family. This is Jasmine, Leilani and Will. We're loving the community, the music and kids church. For us, Easter is all about remembering what Jesus has done for us. He took our punishment for us. He invited us into his family. He promised us life forever with him in heaven. That's what gets us excited. That's what gets us up in the morning. Happy Easter! 
Our second reading is from Luke 24, 36 to 49. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look in my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that's written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what's written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Good morning. My name's John Thorpe. I'm the minister here at Shell Harvest City Anglican. Let me pray as we get into God's Word. Dear Lord, as we come to your Word now, I pray that we might know the hope we can have through your Son. I pray my words might be faithful to your Word, and I pray that your Spirit is opening our eyes to see your goodness and grace. Amen. Hope is a powerful thing. It lifts our spirit. It gives us strength when we don't feel we have any strength left. And hope helps us to paint a better picture of the future. Hope is what we feel when we really like someone and we're pretty sure that they like us. Or perhaps you've just gone for that perfect job and you've got the experience, you've got the qualifications, the interview went well, you're just waiting for that return phone call. Or perhaps hope is what you need right now in this time of self-isolation and social distancing. And we're hoping that soon life will get back to normal. So hope is powerful, but just as powerful is when hope is crushed. When that person who you like so much turns around and says, I just want to be friends. Or when you do get the phone call, but they're telling you that you didn't get the job. And in that moment, life can feel devastating. When everything is just taken away and hope is crushed. For our disciples, as we've talked about the events of Easter, it's been a tough couple of days. You know, they entered Jerusalem a few days earlier with the hope that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the one who was fulfilling the promises of the Old Testament. He was the one who was going to save them from their sins. He was the one who was going to bring them to eternal life. And now Jesus has been arrested, crucified and died. And so as we pick up events for Easter Sunday, we need to briefly go back to Friday. Because after Jesus is crucified, a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea asked to take Jesus' body and to bury it. Now Joseph was a member of the ruling council at the time and so for him he was really going against the crowd. Everyone hated Jesus at least in the establishment and yet he wanted to give Jesus a proper burial and so he takes the body, he wraps it in linen and he puts it in a tomb. Now all of this is happening just before the beginning of the Sabbath and so they don't have time to prepare the body properly. 
And so the body is placed in the tomb and now they've got to wait until the Sabbath is over. And you can imagine that Saturday for the disciples. You know, all of their hopes are crushed. They're just waiting. They're talking about what's happened. They're wondering what the future is going to hold. And then comes Sunday morning. And at first dawn, some of the women go to the tomb and they've got some spices with them to prepare the body. And when they get there, the stone that was protecting the body of Jesus has been rolled away. And as they go inside, they're confronted by these two men whose clothes are like gleaming lightning. And these two men say to the women, Why do you look for the living amongst the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Now, if you're going to make a claim that's that outrageous, that someone who is dead is now alive, then you need to be pretty compelling. And I reckon an angel would be a pretty good start. One of the arguments against the resurrection is the suggestion that the disciples were so desperate to believe that Jesus really had risen from the dead that they convinced even themselves. Yeah, they convinced themselves even to the point of being persecuted and killed. The difficulty with that argument is for these women, when they were going to the tomb, they were not expecting to find Jesus alive. Most likely they believed Jesus would rise again spiritually, but not physically. And certainly that was the expectation in another situation, when Lazarus had died. And so let me read a little bit from John's account of events. Jesus said to her, being Martha the sister of Lazarus, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. So Martha understood who Jesus was, but her expectation was still dying in this life, rising for the next life. And so now a different group of women come to the tomb, but with the same expectation. And when they arrive and they discover that Jesus isn't there and they hear these angels tell them that he is risen, they then run back to the disciples. And the disciples don't believe the women, a bit of a rookie error. So they then run to the tomb and sure enough, the body of Jesus is gone. And then the account stops and we pick it up again later in the day with Jesus walking along this road and meeting these two disciples onto this town called Emmaus. And as they walk along and as they're talking about the events of the last couple of days, you know, Jesus comes up and starts chatting with them. So verse 17, he asks them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they replied, verse 19, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. So the situation is almost comical. They're talking about Jesus as Jesus walks along with them, but they don't see it. And then Jesus goes on to explain how the events of the last couple of days are actually the fulfilment of the Old Testament. So he doesn't point them to his experience. He points them back to the Old Testament. 
and what it has to say about the Messiah. And this was always part of God's plan. God's mission before the creation of the world was that he would gather for himself a people. So even before sin, sin and suffering and Jesus dying on the cross were all part of God's plan. And that's hard for us to get our head around. Why in the world would God choose to do things that way? Now, couldn't we just sort of skip all the hard bits and go straight to eternal life? And we don't know the answer to that. But God, in his wisdom and according to his will, has set things out this way. And what we do know is this life and our experience of sin and God's mercy and justice and grace will make eternal life that much more richer. And we will understand God that much better for it. And all of these promises started with one nation, Israel, but it was always about all people and all nations. So right back in Genesis 12, this is what God had to say to Abraham about his plans. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. And then a little bit later in history, in the book of Isaiah, we read these words. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And all the way through, God has been faithful to those promises, and he has been working out his plans according to his purpose. And as they're walking along, as Jesus is explaining the Old Testament to them, they're starting to see how the pieces fit together. I don't know if you've ever been a jigsaw person, but they're very frustrating. Uh, when you start out, you've just got this pile of pieces, thousand pieces, and when you look at each individual piece, there's just no way you can see how these pieces are all going to go together. But of course, little by little, you start to put it together, and you're always sure you've lost one piece along the way. But as you go, a, piece, you know, a picture starts to emerge, and then of course, finally, you put that final piece in, and you see the whole picture for what it is. You know, these two disciples left Jerusalem completely confused. All of their hopes had been crushed. And now, as they're talking to Jesus, they start to see how actually this is part of God's plan. This is part of God's plan for his Messiah. And then finally they get to verse 30. At the end of the day, they finished walking. They're about to share a meal. When the whole picture comes together. Verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he disappeared from their sight. All the way through this account, you kind of have to wonder, how do two committed disciples of Christ fail to recognise Jesus when they see him face to face? I mean, these are guys who are sufficiently close to the inner core of disciples that they knew about the events of that morning. So they knew Jesus personally, and yet now they failed to recognise him. And I think that's the point. I think actually Jesus closes their eyes. He stops them from seeing because he wants them to understand. But now that they understand, they get to see how the whole picture 
fits together. And when they do, there's this wonderful moment of clarity. So verse 32, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And they're so excited and astounded at what's just happened that they then run back to Jerusalem to tell the other disciples. And when they get there, the disciples tell them about how Peter has encountered Jesus. And then they share their own story of the day of walking along the road. But of course, all of that is then eclipsed by Jesus who comes and stands amongst them. And as he stands there, he says to them, peace be with you. And then he shows them his hands and his feet. And all that detail is important. He says, look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And then he sits down and he eats a meal with them because, of course, he's hungry from a busy day. And you can imagine how the disciples are feeling in this moment. There's a whole you know, whirlwind of emotions. You know, they start off as frightened and then sceptical and then amazed and then joyful. You know, they had come to Jerusalem so confident about who Jesus is. And then over the last couple of days, that hope has been crushed. And now that hope has been restored. You know, they following Jesus for the last three years was the right thing to do. He really is the Messiah. He really is the one who came to pay the price for their sin. And again, Jesus points them to the scriptures. This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So again, Jesus opens their eyes to understand the events of the last couple of days. But he also opens their eyes to what these events achieved. That the death and resurrection of Jesus has meant that people can be saved from their sin. But with that comes a need to respond, a need to repent. So repent is about turning away from the problem and turning towards the solution. And the solution for us in our sin is to come back to Jesus and to recognise him as Lord and Saviour. Our culture loves a bit of positive affirmation. Every kid at the party gets a prize. You get a trophy just for signing up to the soccer team. And even as adults, we seem to want to celebrate even selfishness as a good thing. And we're deeply offended by anyone who would suggest that our behaviour is bad. So in our positive affirmation culture, we shouldn't be too surprised when people are offended by the idea of sin. I remember reading an article once. This is what the writer had to say. Imagine how confused and guilty children would feel when they were indoctrinated with a bizarre idea that they were born with the stain of original sin and were in fact so inherently bad that a man had to bleed to death to make it all okay. The writer may well be outraged, but actually she's captured the seriousness of the problem and the solution perfectly. We do have a problem with sin. And do we really think that that is that bizarre? You know, we, as we look around our world, as we look around how people respond in our current crisis, absolutely, there are great stories of selfless behaviour. But there's also a lot of selfishness. There's also a lot of hurt 
and harm. But it's not just about this crisis, is it? You know, as we look at ourselves, often, as we think about our attitudes and behaviour, you know, clearly we are not that good. But even worse still is our attitude to God. You know, at best, we often ignore him. At worst, we ridicule him. And so on a society level, uh, we ignore sin or even celebrate sin. But as Christians, we recognise our sin, but we also recognise there's a solution. You know, Jesus didn't come to die for good people. He came to die for us, for sinful people, for selfish people, for hearts prone to wander people. And when we recognise that, when we repent and turn back to him, then what we have is a wonderful hope. And if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't made that commitment, but you recognise who Jesus is, then do something about it. You know, Jesus says, whoever prays, whoever repents, whoever turns back and follows me, I will forgive them. Absolutely guaranteed. Whatever we have done, whatever we have become, there is an offer of forgiveness for us. And so can I encourage you to pray? It doesn't have to be pretty. It's not about the words or the eloquence of the words. Simply acknowledge your sin. Acknowledge that Jesus is Saviour, that he is Lord, and that you want to follow him. And when we do that, we can be confident that our sin is forgiven. And that's why we say today on Easter Sunday, with such hope and conviction, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Let me finish and pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross and rise again so we might have life. Help us to have your peace now and a certain hope for the future. Amen. Friends, that brings us to the end of our Easter Sunday podcast. It's been so encouraging to spend time reflecting on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what he means for our lives today. Take some time now to keep that encouragement going. Put something in the comments below. Give us a thumbs up. You might like to jump on the phone. Give someone a call. Check in. See how they're going. If our Easter podcasts have raised questions for you personally, or you'd like to explore the Christian faith in a bit more detail, we're about to begin the life course starting on Tuesday night, the 28th of April, and running for just five weeks. The life course explores the life and death and resurrection of Jesus and what it means to follow him. Uh, today. So that'll be great. Uh, if that's you, if you'd like to know more, uh, please make use of the contact details on our website or put a comment below and we can get in touch with you personally there and uh, help you in your journey of faith. Uh, as we look towards next week, we're going to be looking at the ascension of Jesus. Uh, Jesus didn't just rise to life again, then he ascended to heaven. What's that all about? Why is it important? That's next week. Join us back here at the same time. As we head into the week ahead, let me close with the words of this benediction. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Saviour be glory, majesty, power and authority through our Lord Jesus Christ before all ages now and forevermore.
Amen.